Welcome to Grails, a podcast by Alton Insights. My name's John Tunger, and on today's episode, we have a very special treat for you. For those of you who are deep into alternative asset Twitter, I know, I know, we're getting really into it here. You've probably seen John Shuck or at Shucktales, whether it be using the Alton Insights database to make his own spreadsheets and call out some crazy stats on Twitter or continually posting and shouting vote no on bio offers from the different platforms. John Shuck is a power user on platforms like Collectible, Otis, and Rally. He has a very unique insight when it comes to actually investing in these assets because probably more than most people, he's actually invested in them or doing research on basically every asset that hits the market. Now, even for me, you can only learn so much about a person from one podcast interview, and so he's still a bit of a mysterious character, which I kind of like keeping that way, but here's what I know. By day, he works with a company that installs entry systems, think like electronic keypads, but by night, he does research on every asset that hits the market and is ahead of the curve when it comes to alternative assets. I think you're going to really like this episode. In the beginning, we talk a lot about his portfolio, what he focuses on, wants to see in the space. And then we pivot our attention to the different platforms, and he really talks directly at them about what he would like to see. And then at the end, we really get into some things that he's very passionate about, things like bio offers, retained equity. If you happen to work at one of the platforms, you're going to get some great user feedback from one of your power users. So without further ado, John Shuck at Shucktales. Let's get started. I feel like this is a big moment for the Twitter world because I feel like this is where they find out what your voice sounds like. <laughs> yes. Yes, this is me, John Shuck. Shuck Tales, as a lot of people know me by. How did you first get involved into alternative investments? I took a roundabout way. And it's it's kind of a, a weird story, but I was actually, I needed to replace a vehicle. I needed to buy a new car. And I, I didn't like the idea of going out and buying a new car or a used car and watching the, the value depreciate over a number of years. And I came up with this brilliant idea that every vehicle depreciates, but eventually they're going to hit a bottom. And I want to buy a vehicle that's at the bottom, and I want to ride as it ride it as it appreciates over the next few years. Obviously, that doesn't work. But through some Google searches, I ran across Rally Road, and I realized that you could invest in classic cars. It was a new concept. Um, there's Rally Road. There's another one called Blue Chip Autos, and it was exciting for me because I love cars and all of a sudden here was a platform where I could invest in some really great automobiles. And then once I realized that there's cars out there you can invest in, uh, it just opens up a whole new world of all these other asset classes. And I realized that there was a difference between putting money into a stock or an ETF, which is fine. And that's where I invest the vast majority of my money, but there's really nothing exciting about it. Right. Um, there's, there's stocks people get excited about, but I, I don't typically buy my own stocks. Um, but with these alternative investments, 
this is something to, to get excited about. These are some really neat cars, some some great uh, sports cards that I grew up looking at the, the Beckett price guide and, and tracking over the years, and they just they looked pretty cool. So being able to actually invest and own in just the highest end cards and collectibles was pretty exciting for me. And it became they, their investments, but, but their stores of value also. And so you, this had to be a good while ago. When did you first start investing? It sounds like on Rally First. Yeah, uh, Rally First, before they offered collectibles, it was just cars at the time, uh, late 2018, maybe. Okay. So it's been a few years. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't, I wasn't some of the first users on the platform because they were, they had IPO'd a number of vehicles and there were maybe 20 at the time um, that were trading on the secondary market, but it was once a week or once every other week a car would trade. And those were really exciting days to, to be able to, to log in and see just that, that one vehicle and, and you know, what was the price going to do and right. uh, where do I buy into and things like that. So and, how did you go from buying a vehicle, you know, every other week once they IPO'd to all of a sudden investing into pretty much almost every asset that it seems like hits the marketplaces. It seems like you're at least watching everything and are on hopping onto as much as you can. How did that yeah, jump take place? I, I do watch everything. Um, I, I try to research everything that pops up on a platform. There are certain classes that I'm interested in, interested in like the cars and the cards some of the sports memorabilia. Um, and there are some things that I'm not at all interested in, like the garbage pail kids that, that popped up in the rally app a couple weeks ago, um, or um, the alcohol, the wine, the spirits, things like that. Uh, but I'm still going to research every single one of them because it, it's interesting how somebody can assign a value to these items and others pay that value for it whether it be a, you know, a bottle of wine that's selling to somebody who's actually going to drink it or you know, if it's just going to be on, the, on a platform. It's, um, it's, it's pretty interesting to see how those values are, are determined. And I think talking to you is exciting because for a lot of people who think about strategy in this space, you know, it's a lot of theoreticals, all that kind of stuff. But for you, you're putting your money where your mouth is. You're buying a lot. And really, it is the Wild West out here. Right. What does a portfolio mm -hmm. of alternative assets look like? How should you shape it? And so for you, how are you starting to craft this strategy when it's not like there's one right answer or a list of best practices to pull from? How are you crafting your strategy as you're buying these different assets? I buy what I understand. I, I can look at a car or I can look at a Michael Jordan rookie card and I understand why they're exciting to people, why they have a value for, for people. Um, and I can understand populations and things like that. So I, I'm looking for those assets that personally I'm interested in and I, I can understand myself. Yeah. And that's typically what I stick to from an investment standpoint. I, I don't read comic books. I don't play video games. So I research them because I find it interesting, but I don't invest in comic books. I, I'm very glad others do so that they can be on the platform. And I think it adds to the success of, of these platforms. Um, but I don't invest in a comic book because Superman, Batman, it's just, it's not my thing. It never has. Uh, been. No, that makes sense. And in a world where there's like, I mean, it's becoming 
a very wide array of things that you can invest in. You really got to be able to pick and choose. So we got cars. Yeah. We got cards. Um, sounds like kind of a bunch of different sports when it comes to cards. Uh, what yeah. else have you have you dabbled in um, that your portfolio is made up of? Well, I, I own shares in the dinosaur. I mean, who, who could pass up an opportunity for something like that? Uh -huh. um, there's the meteorite coming up. Uh, that looks interesting to me. How do you price a meteorite? I have no idea, but right. I'll do the research and I'll find out and probably buy a few shares just because it's there. Um, but that's really about it. Those are those are the two I love. Yeah. So that's that's what I stick to. No uh, historical books, documents, things like that. I uh, that's an area I'm yeah. continually interested in. As I'm like, are these values compared to cards really that different? You're telling me this. What is the one that came the uh, Continental Journal, right? Like I'm like, you're telling me this mm -hmm. is 120k, and that is not even half of a price of a soccer card that just I you know went big or something, right? Like uh -huh. I just that that it seems like prices off to me. Yeah, um, I, I do invest in the books also. Um, I I probably don't fully understand them like I do the others, but in my research, the the stores of value, the the things that you know the wealthiest individuals in the world buy, um, they buy cars, they buy art, uh, they buy books, and their houses are full of that kind of stuff. So it, I figure those those must be good investments. Also, I, I am heavily invested in the. Uh, and some of the art on Masterworks and on, on the Otis platform. So you spend so much time looking into all this stuff. What are you seeing? Like right before the podcast, you're like, hold on, I'm checking uh, the closing prices here. Let's wait for it. So so what are you seeing out there right now? Where do you think the market's at? Um, opportunities? Yeah. What, what are you seeing? The market's in a tough spot right now. Um, we've seen these declines over the past three or four months. I don't know what caused it. To me, there's a lot of irrational thinking, irrational decisions on, on some people's parts that are just driving the values of some of these down. After IPO, where they buy in at $10 a share, and three months later, they're selling for six. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Why doesn't it make sense? Why is it irrational? Why would you lose 40% of your money in three months? Right. Why would you give that away? I'm a long-term investor. If I buy in at the IPO and it goes down 40% the first trading window, to me, that's an opportunity to increase my position. And I'm looking to hold those those assets for three, four, five years or even more. I mean, I, there's some of the first ones I, I bought on Rally in 2012, I still hold today. To me, they're solid investments. From a share standpoint, the value might have gone down some, it might have gone up a little bit, but I don't think those are accurate representations of what those underlying assets are actually worth. So I'm willing to hold long-term and wait the five years or longer. Maybe a buyout offer comes, maybe the, the market matures a little bit more and the secondary markets price these assets more accurately. And then I take a little bit of money off the table. But for now, I'm okay sitting on these investments and, and waiting. If, if the wealthy have been holding these type of assets for decades, I can wait a couple of years for the return. <laughs> Why do you think people, what's your take? Because we've heard it from you know people on Rally. We've heard it from other Alton people on Collectible. What is your take as an investor on why others are having loose hands and selling three months after IPO? I don't think they fully understood the market. I don't think they 
they understood that what they were getting into is an investment. It's not just a quick flip, mm-hmm. buy in, you're going to double your money and you cash out. Um, so I, I think too many people didn't have a long-term perspective. And a lot of people get hurt when that happens because my shares, the value of my shares went down. The value of a lot of other people's stuff goes down. People that want to hold long-term like myself, they're frustrated. They're looking at the platforms thinking the process isn't working properly, or maybe the platforms aren't doing what needs to be done to, to educate the consumer. But it all comes down to each person making an individual decision. And some people just aren't making decisions right now that make sense to a lot of others. Right. It seems like a lot of it might take hearing that, which I agree with. And it's, it's just like, hey, there's so many, it, we're in an investment climate where there's a lot of different opportunities, or at least there were. Now it's kind of like a sell and may and go away. And it seems like people are kind of on vacation. But, you know, you have crypto, you have the latest Robinhood stocks, you have alternative assets. Now, things like Fundrise and real estate is growing, right? And so it's almost like people are, I feel like that lockup period has been hard for people because three months, they don't want to wait three months. The second that three months goes, well, I at least just want my access to my money, right or wrong. I want access to my money, even if it's cheaper than yeah, and, before and invest it somewhere. And my question would be, if you want access to your money, why are you putting it into a long-term asset to begin with? Yep. Put it in the savings account, put it in a, a mutual fund or, or a, you know, some sort of investment vehicle where you can take that money out without penalty. Don't put it into an asset that has a history of appreciating at whatever the percentage is, but over the long term. The, don't in, buy into a long term investment if you're not willing to hold it long term. Absolutely. And that's why Masterworks, I know, like, uh, tedious a bit, but they, they make you get on a call and they're like, hey, this is a seven, we recommend a seven year hold period. Now I think that would drive people crazy if the other platforms made people do that because mm-hmm. it kind of drove me crazy even just on that one call. But, uh, you know, Hey, at the same time, you know, if you're getting your money to masterworks, kind of a dumb move to pull it out at least before a couple of years. Absolutely. And I think they've done a good job of making sure people understood that. And you don't see the, the volatility on master on masterworks that you do on the other platforms. Mm which I think is just a sign of the type of investor that's on there. They're more more mature investors that have just a more long-term outlook. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I didn't, I didn't tell you about this question. I'm just thinking about it right now. <laughs> this is your chance. This is a voice directly. You know, we can clip this right here, right, to Ezra, to Rob, to the different platforms. If you could say one thing of what you wish was in the experience or what you would love to see, a platform do better. What would you say? Let's start with collectible. What would you love for collectible to hear from one of their power users over audio right now? Make sure the IPOs are priced correctly. I don't know how they determine some of the values, but I haven't bought into a few IPOs over the past three months, four months, because I don't know where the values of these cards are coming from. Hmm. Looking at other recent comps, um, it seems like they're just off to you. Yeah, okay. it does. Okay. And I don't know if that's whatever type of, uh, you know, sales commission, or I don't know what they would call that fee, but that, right. you know, that, that cushion they built in, if that's too high or, you know, I don't know where the problem comes from, but for me, it just looks like the values of some of these are too high. Yeah. Okay. And what about rally? 
you're talking to Rob right now, the whole crew, what would you say to them? Where's my Aston Martin? <laughs> it's only a matter of time. <laughs> it's, it's been in the app for, it'll be two years in August. Two years with that little coming soon sign right at the top next to the name. It says coming soon, Aston Martin. I don't know what the definition of soon is, but it can't be two years. <laughs> well, it really can't. You, you got to, okay, first, why the Aston Martin? Why, why is that like this thing that you're like, I just can't wait for this IPO? I love that car. I, I'm a car guy. I look at that car and to me, that's like, that's the peak of automotive perfection right there. It, it looks fantastic. It sounds fantastic. It's, it's an Aston Martin. It's like the coolest brand you can have is an Aston Martin. That's what, it's what James Bond drives, right? So I love that car and they've been teasing me with it. For a very long time, <laughs> I, I think I've been very patient, and I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll try to continue to be patient. How often do you refresh the app, hoping that it's just going to change that one time? I, I look every week. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm in the app a dozen times a day. I'm on the website. It's it's on my screen. It's always on my screen. Um, and when the, the dates for the following week's IPOs uh, pop up in the app, I'm this is the first one I go to look at. Mm-hmm. I don't care when a dinosaur or a meteorite or an iPad or iPod gets gets IPO'd. I, I'm looking for that Aston. <laughs> well, you do care. You've talked about it. you do care, but really, that Aston Martin's like your peak. It, in the grand scheme of things, it's the Aston I'm waiting for. <laughs> and then Otis, how much uh, how much do you invest on Otis? I've got six or seven assets on Otis. Very low dollar amounts. Um, I was locked out of the platform for a while only because I didn't have an iPad or an iPhone and I needed desktop access. Um, I know they've, they were working on it at one point. So I, I wish all the platforms had a desktop access mm. w- a website. Um, I'd, I'd like to see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm, Otis is interesting. I, I like the art on there. They, they do kind of the, you know, some, some odd items with the, the sneakers and the new transformer toy that just came out. Right. But, uh, yeah, that was interesting. It, it is. Um, toys were one of those things on the list of items that hold value over time. And, you know, it was certainly only a matter of time before one showed up. Um, this is an interesting choice. Uh, Transformers definitely sparked that, that nostalgic feeling in so many people that, you know, that generation that grew up in the eighties and nineties. So right. car guy, you have to like Transformers, right? One. I had some, yeah. yeah. I watched the TV show or cartoon every, every day after school. And, uh, yeah, I, w- I was a fan for years. Yeah. Okay. So as a car guy, really interested to dive into, you know, it looks like on rally as they've diversified into other assets, it seems like cars are becoming less and less frequent. Um, it has scared me how very little they've paid attention to the cars over the last year. Um, I think it was the saline IPO last summer and sat unfound funded for weeks could have been, might've been months. And then they closed it because they had a sale. They were able to sell it, which is great to have, be able to cash out um, to do a buyout and have people, you know, get some money back. But, you know, it's been a year since they've IPO'd a car and, I 
I worried when they transitioned from just having cars to having the collectibles that the cars would suffer, that the value of the, the shares of the cars would suffer. And I, I think it really has. Um, ideally, I, I wish it had been two separate platforms. I completely understand why they, they do what they do. I mean, diversification, different asset classes and bringing in more people, all that makes perfect sense to me. I just I just wish the cars were were kept separate. Right. I, I think there would have been a lot less pain for shareholders of the cars if being able to pull money out of the XJ220 or uh, the Ford GT and transition it over to uh, memorabilia or cards, if, if that hadn't been so easy, I think the value of the shares of the cards would have held up a little bit. Better. What developments in the alternative investing space would you like to see, whether it be a new platform or with current platforms? Where would you like to see this develop into? The addition of more asset classes and the ones that come to mind, Otis is you know addressing the toys, um, but also coins. I think there's there's a lot of interesting historical coins that would work very well in a fractional type marketplace. Mm. So seeing a completely separate platform for that or seeing an existing platform, you know, expand into that type of asset classes is, is interesting to me. I, I've been looking for years and just there's just nothing out there right now. Yeah, it is funny that so. those really coins and stamps um, yeah. are things that really haven't been introduced fractionally yet. Yeah. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Stamps would be fun too. Collect hmm? Otis. Everyone else. <laughs> I think Otis jumping in with some stamps and coins, that would fit right in with them. Yes. I, I think that that would be a good fit. Yeah, they've, they've really done a good job of like the culture items and finding something that's like relevant. I feel like they've like stuck to that mission statement there. Yeah, which brings up Mythic Markets. Okay, talk you know, about they, it. I, I didn't invest in any of their stuff, which obviously, you know, that uh, it didn't work out for them. I, I thought there were some interesting items. Like I said earlier, I'm not a comic book fan. Uh, so that particularly didn't interest me. But the the game cards with um, with the Black Lotus um, was a neat item. Uh, but having a, a platform like that operate for, what was it, two years? And then just kind of be gone. That's, that's worrisome for the industry, I think. Hmm. Yeah, especially when it's something that like you would think with the magic cards and stuff would would be able to blow up and gain more traction. I uh, I went with some of these platforms. I don't. Where's my Yu-Gi-Oh at? I uh, I grew up with Yu-Gi-Oh. I feel like a lot of other people did. I want. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh man, I might tip my hand here. Should I tip it? <laughs> I'm gonna tip it. I'm I'm looking to get like I think Yu-Gi-Oh will grow in value quite a bit. So I'm mm-hmm. because it's just like Pokemon, everything else sort of has, and Yu-Gi-Oh's just sort of stayed stagnant. There was like a blue eyes white yeah. dragon that just went for a couple million recently, and that didn't even gain traction. I want to grab like all five pieces of Exodia. Uh, it's like the right arm, left arm, the head. I don't know how much you know Yu-Gi-Oh. I want to find PSA ten. I, I, I really don't, but uh, I want to get my three blue eyes. I, uh, I I think some of those classics will end up going for a lot. Um, and I think the development of that game really came years after the beginning of Pokemon, didn't it? Yeah. So maybe we're just, it's just too early. You know, five years from now, it could be as big as Pokemon was at the end of 2020. Right. And it's still a franchise that's going on currently, yeah. like Pokemon. So um, just good IP that feel like it hasn't been fully taken advantage yet. So there you go. That's, uh, I'll see you guys in the eBay streets competing against me if, if you agree with me. But that's my theory. Can we discuss buyouts? Yeah. Oh, buyouts. 
What uh, what do you buyout. what what's your um, opinion? I am I'm not a big fan of buyouts. I I'm a long-term investor. I don't want the option of making 20 or 30% after 6 months. Mm. I want the option of making 150% after 60 months. Yeah. So I've always thought that there shouldn't be a buyout offer even entertained before the asset trades on the secondary market. The first three months or 90 days or whatever that lockup period is, we're just not even going to, we're not even going to consider it. Let's, let's see what the secondary market prices the asset and then maybe we'll entertain a buyout offer. Right. But personally for me, I don't want to, I don't even want to hear about them. I, I voted no on a dozen of them probably. What would that percentage threshold have to be for you to be like, yes, this is great. Is that over a hundred percent, a couple hundred percent? Um, How much would I have to be up to, to consider a buyout? I'd 600, 500, 600. Right. Cause that's why you're getting into the assets long-term. And if this person's exactly. buying it for a hundred percent, you're like, no, no, I want access to it still. <laughs> and that's what the, my argument was when the Jordan card uh, buyout through rally happened last summer is this person, whoever is able to call up Rally and say, I'll give you $80,000 for this card, they firmly believe it's going to be worth more than $80,000 in six months or, or 10 years or whatever their time frame is, right? So if, if, if they think it's going up, I want to ride that. Right. I want to be invested and I want it to go up. Right. You're like, and you're telling me there's someone that can drop 80K on a card right now. And that person's willing to do that for this price. Uh, sorry, no, turn around because that means I want to keep holding this with the shares that I have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if they're willing to put that much into it, they believe in its long-term viability also. Yep. And we need to. If if we're going to say these are investments and these are, are worth buying into, the outlook has to be more than three months away. It, it has to be three years, five years, 10 years away. Yep. Yeah. And so you would want maybe more stricter rules on like what even qualifies as a buyout offer. Because right now, given the people who are saying yes, are maybe some of the same people that are liquidating their shares three months after the lockup. It's like you don't have long-term investors making those calls. And so you're losing out on the shares that you currently have. Exactly. You've got people who are just trying to make a quick buck and they've made their quick buck with a 30%, 20% turnaround or whatever it happens to be. Um, but that's not me. That's what not what I'm looking for. History has shown us cars have appreciated over decades. Uh, 1950s Mickey Mantle cards have appreciated over decades. That's probably going to continue. Right. You know, past is no indication of future, but it's probably going to continue. And I want to be a part of that. I don't want to miss out on that because somebody who can buy the full card can come along and take it away from me just because somebody else is looking for a 20% or a 30% increase. Right. John, but man, I mean, look at what's been going on with comic books. How many comic book offers have we seen on uh, just rally alone and buyouts? Like someone is out there and is knowing this stuff, right? Especially it's lost so much in price. I'm going to gobble, gobble, gobble up all these comic books. I mean, you probably know sitting right in front of you, how many have exited in the last month, but I mean, over. I, I think there were four of them just like the last couple of weeks of May, I believe. Yeah, right. And that was just on rally. So, yeah, somebody's buying those. Somebody believes they've come down in value and they're worth something and they're going to go up 
why would you not want to buy more shares of that today and keep that gain for yourself instead of let somebody else take it? It's got to be a long-term mentality. Can we see who these buyers are on Rally? Is that something that we have access to? I wish. No, they don't. They don't release that information, but I wish they did. I mean, if, if a company is listed on the New York Stock Exchange and they're bought out, that information is publicly available. So these assets are set up as though they are a limited liability company. Mm-hmm. When they're bought out, I would we, sh- we should have access to that information. Right. It was interesting. Let me know who's taking my stuff away from me. <laughs> so I can troll them on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it was interesting with DJ Ski when he said in our interview with him how his investment group Mint 10 made an offer on collectible that was rejected. And I was like, ah, oh, look behind the curtain <laughs> here. What else have you guys tried to buy? You know, like I, yeah. that's the kind of info that's really interesting. Or who are these groups? Like, is this comic book group? Is it for the people buying the comic books? Is that just one group? And they're just gobble, gobble, gobbling it all up. You know, that's, uh, that's really interesting information. We'll never know. And until we push the platforms to release that information, and I'm sure they probably can't, but right. We should at least ask, right? We should push them for that information. Right. There's probably like right now, Mags or Rob or Will, someone's listening and is like, no, there's a very basic reason we can't. It's just in a contract or, you know, like, and we're like, come on. So, so write the contract so that you can tell us. <laughs> I think, I think that would make sense. Okay. So buyout offers, you have to have strong opinions about retained equity. What are your thoughts? I do. I do not like retained equity. Um, To me, it gives way too much power in the hands of the person who's holding the 25 or the 50 or the 75% of that retained equity. I don't like buyout offers. We just discussed that. But when you put all that power for all those shares in the hands of an individual, it, it, again, it takes the power away from those that the little guy, you know, these these platforms have have marketed themselves as being the ones to democratize the, the assets and make them available to the little guy. Yet they sell an asset with 55 percent retained equity. So the little guy really doesn't control anything anyways. And I've heard the arguments about, you know, doesn't it show that that the you know, the, the sellers has faith in the, the, the product or the asset. And I get that. But these platforms are supposed to be catering to the little guy, I think. Right. Yeah. And uh, so rightfully so here, you're putting more collectible in the hot seat, right? They love their retained equity. Yeah. So we, we just had rally in the hot seat, now collectible. For those listening, me and Ezra talked quite a bit about this in our interview with him. I, I actually think that I'm kind of on the retained equity side here. I, I Maybe you? it's because one day I hope to be in a spot where I can offer something and I want like to a platform and I want to retain some equity, to have that fun upside of like together vibe, which I guess you don't really have that. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, let's all invest in this. I believe in it. I'm retaining equity. You know, right now we don't have access to the information of who's selling all those things on the platforms, but I think it's, it does speak to like, this person does want a chance for upside. So wouldn't they want to keep holding it long term? Um, I feel like I'm lending them money. Hmm. They're using the asset as collateral to borrow money from me. And maybe that's not a good way to look at it, but that's kind of that's kind of what I feel like. I, I'm giving money to somebody who really doesn't need it because they've got an asset that's valued at a hundred thousand dollars. They they probably can uh, 
you know, they, they probably don't need my 500 or whatever I'm putting into it, but that's, I've always felt that way. I just, I feel like I'm lending money to somebody who's just using it as collateral. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, you've just made your point very clear on buyouts. So you, you don't want someone to have that much whale power to move the asset around. Retained equity. Twitter, what, what are your thoughts? At uh, Shucktails, at John Tunger, at Alton Insights. You got to let us know. That would be a good poll. We should do a poll. Um, anything else you want to rant on? It's interesting because I've, I've always tried to shy away from the criticism of the platforms. I, it, it's got to be incredibly difficult to build something like this from scratch. And for me to go on Twitter when I just lost $50 in an IPO and talk trash about a company that's trying to build something, I just, I, I don't like that. Right. I, I listen to the voices. There's, there's some voices on Twitter that can be fairly negative. Yeah, so, some I listen Twitter, to what they have to say, but I, I don't put too much value in what they're saying. Right. Only because... They're not building it. They're not behind the scenes trying to fight each day to to put something together that massive amounts of people are gonna are gonna like. You're you're never gonna you're never gonna make two hundred thousand users happy. So you know you just you they they need to build the product that they think is gonna last long term. And I don't want to criticize that. Yeah, and it's just so funny when people are thinking that there's like a nefarious actions going on retained equity oh my gosh like i i don't these are not nefarious at all the people behind these platforms are good people they're building something for the most part in public where they're actually saying a lot of why they're doing things what they're doing they're yeah. trying to build fast in the wild west i it's people just sometimes need to calm down and realize it's just real people on the other side of the the app right the the recent uh, rally ipos where they weren't funding so the company took on those shares themselves and, and paid for them themselves a lot of people didn't like that. And I didn't mind. I mean, it's the, the watch, uh, uh, which one was it? Uh, sat unfunded for close to six months. And I think it's a great asset. It's a really interesting story behind it. Um, and to have it not funded was was disappointing to me. But Rally took that on and kept that asset on the platform instead of you know giving everybody their, their money back and selling it they it's still available right i, I mean and it's almost like, like an extra vote of confidence that they're hey users absolutely. this is really good this is a really great asset you should go and, and buy it so we will in this case because we think it yep. should be on our platform the story's great and it's at a good value so i, I had yep. no problem with it either yeah people they, they just didn't understand it um and that's where the education comes in i think is just really you know making sure that people understand what they're buying yeah. like it, would, it, it would help out more John Shuck has been heard. He has, he's taken the stage and his, his plight is out there for the people. <laughs>